Yo, what's going on? It's your boy Mars, and guess what, man? We have made it to episode two. I'm surprised by that because that either means two things. Either somebody out there listening or I'm just really vibing with what I'm doing right about now. Um, but to get into it, not to waste your time, um, today's episode is titled The Seeds of Hip Hop. And really how this episode came about was I was riding down the street uh, about a week ago and my youngin in the car said, yo, dude, you know, have you ever realized that you sh only listen to R&B? And I was like, yeah, well, you know, that's kind of my thing. And he was like, why is that so? And I thought about it and I was like, man, you know what, to be honest with you, bro, I just feel like hip hop just has a negative vibe to it nowadays. It isn't fun anymore. And that's why I choose not to listen to it. It's nothing personal against any of the artists. But at the end of the day, I only deal with things that stimulate my mind or things that move me. And that's just the way I just always move through life. So honestly, that's the reason why I really don't listen to hip hop. And, you know, it's not that I wouldn't go back and listen to any of the old tracks. You know, I love Jigga and Biggie and all those guys. But just the new school, I just feel like it's not for me. But uh, enough of that, just giving you guys a little quick backstory on the uh, podcast we'll be talking about. And uh, I'll be right back and we'll get right into it. All right, hip hop, hip hop, hip hop. Where do I start? I can start many places, but uh, I'm just going to start with uh, this really quick. Um, in my personal opinion, I feel that hip hop is the uh, exploitation of black and brown people black and brown people meaning black and hispanics but more so blacks uh hip-hop is really uh driven by a uh, capital gain and if you really think about it slavery was brought about through capital gain which is really becoming more prominent within the hip-hop music it's really becoming immersed with the traditions of racist attitudes and thinking if we really think about it now, I know some of y'all like, what do you mean? <laughs> well, I'll tell you guys what I mean. I really want you to think about uh, the message. And if you're if, if you're under 30, if you're under 30 listening to this, just bear with me. But think about what hip hop was in the 90s and the 80s and think of what has become in the past. I'll just say seven years. You know, it's a lot of negative thought to me, in my humble opinion, uh, centered around hip hop and the lyrics is delivered and just the tomfoolery that just comes with it. But just think about all this stuff these artists are pushing out and you think about it, they put it on wax and it gets distributed across the whole United States. But really think about how it looks when it's pushed out to the global market and how it really makes the black person or black people look to the rest of the world i just want y'all to think about that for a second now you know really if you think about the hip-hop most of these lyrics these guys are talking about what getting high sleeping with women uh killing people um gucci versace lean i mean you know the same old stuff and you know i'm not gonna sit up here and knock what today's artists do because like i said and back in the day of course the guys talked about some of the similar things but i felt like you know back in the day hip-hop had more meaning and you know for anyone that doesn't know i'll just go over the four elements of hip-hop hip-hop the uh the four elements of hip-hop we have djing graffiti what is it break dancing and emceeing which would be the rapping 
So now you think of that, that era, you had Sugar Hill Gang, Curtis Blow, you had the, uh, what are those guys called? The uh, Funky Four Plus One. You had Public Enemy um, with Fight the Power. You had uh, Roxanne, what is her name? Um, Roxanne Shante with the, uh, what was that song called? Uh, Roxanne's Revenge, there we go. And then you push it a little bit further. You had tribes, you had uh, rapper groups like Tribe, like called Quest. You had people, we had rappers like Biggie, Tupac, um, LL, just to name a few. Now, I say this to say that, and, and um, of course, NWA, we can't forget them. I say that to say this. When you think about all those things I just said, I want you to look at what these guys were talking about and if you had someone saying hey i'm gonna kill you da 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 or i'm gonna sell dope to make this money on the flip side you had a group like public enemy coming back just saying how crack is whack selling dope yada 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 so it was always well balanced in my opinion back then opposed to how it is now right now it's just meaningless messages pushed out to the youth and I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I'm a hip hop head, you know, for instance, and this is no shots at Jeezy, you know, it was thug motivation when Jeezy came out. What is it? 101 or 102? I can't remember right now. The Snowman album when he was sitting on the bricks, you know, he was talking about all that stuff, trap or die and all of that. But at the end of the day, would he really want his son to live that lifestyle? No, his son is in college. And I believe the young man is in his second or third year in college, ain't living none of that street life. And the biggest gripe I have about this is these rappers come in here, they make their money, and I feel that there's no accountability held to them with the things that they say. Because you have this little kid that's growing up in this impoverished situation without maybe a father figure in the uh, house, or maybe the mom's not there, or maybe the mom is just working in the and working overtime, and the kid's just left to his music. A kid like that is not really going to know that, yo, Jeezy out here just acting. This is a facade that he's putting on. You know, they're going to take that with a grain of salt. And what's the next thing they're going to do? They're going to start trying to act out those lyrics in real life. They want to start selling dopes, uh, toting the toolies, you know, having the flashy cars, jewelry, sleeping with all the women. And that's where I have the problem. There's really no guidance for the children if they're just left to the music and you know you have rappers like j cole you know they're doing their positive thing you, you have guys like kendrick and you have a mature jay-z that's doing his thing and this is not a shot at every hip-hop artist but i just wish that there was more accountability for what they say and what they do because whether they realize it or not it doesn't only affect them, it affects the world and it affects the listeners. Prime example, I'm gonna give you guys an example really quick. Um, we know Rick Ross and I don't know if you guys knew or or you knew or didn't know, Ross back in the uh, mid 2000s, he had got a deal with uh, Reebok and abruptly that deal came to an end. And you ask, why did the deal come to an end? And we just playing some catch up. Ross jumped on a feature on uh, Rocco's song, You Ain't Know. And uh, pretty much, I'm going to read off some of the lyrics so you guys have the whole backstory on it. Um, 
pretty much Ross goes on to say, that nigga sold you that re-rock, you ain't even know it. I die with these Reeboks, you ain't even know it. I put that Molly all in her champagne, she ain't even know it. I took her home and I enjoyed that, she ain't even know it. And it goes on. But the part in this song that caused the most uproar was, I put the Molly in her champagne, she ain't know about it. I took her home and enjoyed that, she ain't even know that. So this is applying to date rape and when i tell you you had women all outside of reebok headquarters in new york protesting like yo how could you have someone like this um representing your company being a brand ambassador and all of that other good stuff needless to say reebok dropped him dropped him cold turkey now if we any one of us know that rick ross rick ross um puts on the show that he's the biggest boss uh, dope boy, you know, some Florida terminology there. And, you know, he was the weight man. So why is it okay for Reebok to go into business with Ross when he's in his music casually talking about selling dope, hustling and killing people and shooting up the place? But soon as he gets off the plantation and talk about something, date rape, oh my gosh, it's the biggest travesty in America. Now, my thought process is like this. You guys weren't offended when he was talking about selling dope, uh, how selling dope and killing people and all the other stuff Ross talked about. This one little thing, date rape, it, to me, like I said, no offense to any of my listeners, date rape is like, I'm not going to say it, it doesn't happen to black women, but when you really look at the women that were out there protesting, it was mostly white women. And, you know, no shade to them. You know, I love people of all color. But why is it when a black man says this, the world ends? But when he talks about dope and all this other negative imagery, no one has anything to say about it. Oh, it sells records. But this particular issue, y'all got this man kicked off the label, lost the bread. And then he still came out and publicly apologized be honest with you i wouldn't have because like i said y'all ain't made me apologize for selling saying he's selling his saying these dope lines and all this other stuff so i'm not apologizing for this but that just shows you how america is but again this goes back to hip-hop now i say goes back to hip-hop because one thing people don't realize hip-hop is one of the most influential things that we have here in america and damn even in the world it pushes the culture it pushes the boundary it molds things so just by him saying those two little lines, it got him up out of a deal and it made some people uncomfortable. But again, the negative imagery doesn't make him uncomfortable, but that one line he said or two lines he said made him uncomfortable. Now, I'm going to push the line a little bit more. I'm not going to hop on my boy Ross like that, because like I said, at the end of the day, Ross is a hustler and I like that hustler music. So that's what I'm rocking with. But another thing in hip-hop you know we talk about money spending it and all of this stuff throwing up that cash and just having a good time but do you realize i i you know this is one thing i loved about nip one thing i loved about nipsey hustle was nipsey was a businessman and i knew this before a lot of y'all even really got on the nipsey because a lot of people really tuned in to nipsey around victory lap but i'm talking about mailbox money crenshaw and all that man i remember and i ain't gonna lie i remember i used to donate plasma man i was working at nike and i was hard up for money i ain't really have money like that and i was donating plasma and you know i used to listen to nipsey hustles mailbox money 
every Tuesday and Thursday was my schedule. I went to go donate plasma. And I would be sitting there for about three or four hours because it would be packed. And I'm just listening to this man album over and over again. And he's just teaching about finances and the power of money and, and, and entrepreneurship. So this man, you know, he 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 he, he was a uh what is the word that I'm looking for? He was a uh I'm not I'm looking I'm not he was ahead of his time he wasn't a trendsetter but hell he is a trendsetter but he was ahead of his time so I'm going to go into a few little things if we understood the power of the black dollar I feel that we will understand ourselves a little bit more and this still goes another jab at hip-hop because it's always talking about the military the materialistic things of the world and it just makes the younger people want these things and you know whatever but on the average, when African-Americans get paid, the money that they make only stays in the African-American community for roughly six hours, six hours. So within that six hours, you may pay your bill. OK, OK, that's fine. We're going to say you pay your rent, you pay your bills. Those are the uh, necessities that you need to do. But, you know, nine out of ten, we go by. Well, we I'm guilty of it too. Um, we'll go buy new outfits, shoes, you know, go out to eat, you know, just balling like we just got a million dollar check when our check only seven fifty. Um, and you know, just spend the money. But if you look at other cultures, you know, they keep their money circulating inside their communities for hours, if not days. The Asian community is notorious for that. The Jewish community is notorious for that. Arabic community is notorious for that, but we are the only ones that get paid and six hours later, the money's gone. We have no investments or nothing to show for, but our materialistic gain, but that's whatever. But I, 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 I wanted to point out something in Pacific. I remember growing up and I used to talk to a lot of girls and I still hear a lot of females say, man, I like my Hennessy. I like my Hennessy. He's like, you like Hennessy? What? Now, I don't got no problem with Hennessy, but like I said, Hennessy is not my drink of choice. Um, I'm more so of a uh, Ciroc kind of guy or some type of vodka, Grey Goose or, or, or whatnot. That's what I like to drink. But get this. And I want y'all, I want y'all to really, I want y'all to really listen to what I'm about to tell you. 60 to 80% of Hennessy's global revenues come from African-Americans in the U.S., this, say it one more time, 60 to 80% of Hennessy global revenue comes from African-Americans in the U.S. Now, I don't heard plenty of rappers talking about Hennessy. So I'm going to say this is hip hop drink of choice. And I'm not talking about Ciroc or anything like that. I'm just just talking about Hennessy. What, what does that tell you? Six, 60 to 80%. They get all our money, but our money is only staying in our community for six hours. All right. All right. All right. Let's just talk about some other American companies that's just capitalizing off the black dollar through hip hop. We got old Mickey D's McDonald's and Ronald McDonald's. McDonald's holds a uh, show annually or program is called uh, McDonald's Beat of the City. And, uh, you know, is really driven by hip hop. Now, I really want you guys to ever go to um, 
I want you guys to go to McDonald's Instagram. Look at their Instagram and look at their imagery and just really tell me how many black and brown faces you see opposed to other people. So you get the point. Look at who they're targeting and marketing. To me, I feel that McDonald's is a symbolism of a symbolism of poverty. When you go into these uh, upper echelon neighborhoods, you don't see a McDonald's for miles. But when you go within to the inner cities or even an urban neighborhood, they're there and like not there just in one way. You got two or three on one block like a gas station. So, again, hip hop's driving this. You know, they're all in our community. But I want you guys to look at this from a health factor. Just look at it strictly based on a health factor. It ain't nothing really healthy at McDonald's besides the parfait. Hell, if you drop a french fry on the ground, the roaches or the ants not going to eat it. It's not going to disintegrate. So what are you really putting in your body? I mean, that's just some food for thought because, you know, although the dollar mean is promising and it's promising and supposedly help you save a couple bucks or two. Is it really that healthy for you? Hey, I'm even shoot off another stat. Um, let's talk about diabetes right now. We're going to break diabetes down by race and ethnicities, right? So the common misconception is, is that blacks are the highest um, that carries the highest rate of diabetes. And that's not true. The people that carry the highest rate of diabetes, I believe, are what are they? Uh, the Native American coming in at what? 15.1%. So the Indians have what? 15.1% and then followed by let's just say non-Hispanic people, they come in at 12.7. Non-Hispanic means black. Uh, the Hispanics come in third at 12.1. Then Asians come in at 8.0. And non-Hispanic Americans, and I want you guys to fill in the blank, at 7.1, who are they? Who are they? You guess? I'm gonna give y'all a second. White America comes in at 7.4%. Now, either they don't like candy, or they don't like McDonald's, or they, or they got money to eat whatever they want to eat. And I'm not sitting up here saying that there's no impoverished uh, Caucasian American white people, because if I said that, I'll be lying. We, we know that there's an issue in America with poverty, but just look at those stats. But yet, you continuously see us constantly always dining out at these restaurants, eating the food, you know, carrying on just, you know, doing it how we do it. And, you know, I just I just want to actually since we're on this uh, economic topic real quick, I, I was there listening to the. Uh, Martin Luther King, I have a dream speech and it's just one particular part I want you to pay attention to. I'm going to go ahead and um, cut to it. And I'll be right back. And you you let me know what you got from that. And then we'll just, you know, tackle that really quick. But I just want to talk about um, Dr. King's stance on economics. Because growing up in high school, they only really, or in school, they only talked about maybe three or four lines or a paragraph of the I Have a Dream speech. So it's pretty interesting to see this as an adult, what I gather from it now in today's current state so uh without further ado i'm gonna get into this clip i'll be right back 100 years later 
The Negro has still languished in the corners of American society and finds himself in exile in his own land. And so we've come here today to dramatize a shameful condition. In a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. But we refuse to believe that the Bank of Justice is bankrupt. We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity of this nation. And so we've come to cash this check, yes. a check that will give us upon demand the riches of freedom yes. and the security of justice. Talking about it, uh, a check that America couldn't cash in. It's just, it's just, it's just symbolism to you know the, the way Dr. King thought. I have something else to read um, by him, and this speech was actually, I think it was his last speech. It was the uh, I have been to the mountaintop speech, and I believe he re spoke about this the night before he died. And uh, I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, the problem indicates that our people emphasis must be twofold. We must create full employment or we must create income. People must be made consumers by one method or the other. Once they have once they are placed in this position, we must we sorry. We need to be concerned that the potential of the individual is not wasted. New forms of work that ensures the social good will have to be devised for those whom tradition with traditional jobs to whom traditional jobs are not available to whom traditional jobs are not available now i know that i kind of botched that but i i, I want to go into this really quick so just stay with me every one of us has a job but what is a job can anyone tell me that what is really a job I mean, I know we go punch the clock now. I know we go make our money on a job. Duh. But really, if you think about it, a job is really there to sustain us. It's not a career. It's just there to sustain us. Really, 99% of us or 95% of us that work a job, hell, man, we one check away from being homeless. We living from paycheck to paycheck for most of, for most of us. So when I'm sitting up here going back to what Nipsey was teaching about wealth, 
and ownership. Dr. King spoke about the same thing. And I've been to the mountaintop speech. And if you really look at it, if you really want to break it down, if you guys have time, just go ahead and read uh, where we're going. And that's from um, Dr. King's book he published in 1967. What uh, where do we go from here? Chaos or community. So go check that book out and uh, read that. And, you know, if you guys need some of this, I'll have some of this probably listed on the website eventually when I get around to it. But really, like I said, going back to what I said, a job was never, ever, ever meant for us to prosper. It wasn't. It, it's just there for temporal use. I mean, you think the CEO of the company really going to put us in a position where we making this top dollar and, you know, next thing you know, we can go out and really get our own company. Nah, what it is, and like I tell anyone else, when you got a job and you got something, use it as a stepping stone to get to your next level. It's not something that you want to sit around and hold for 30 years. Because think about it, you sitting up here and you working at this job for 30, 60 years. And what are you legally able to retire at, what, 65 now? Hell, the average American dropping dead at the age of 70. So really, let's just say 78 you really got 12, 11 years to really live out the rest of your life? Come on, folks. Like, we need to figure out a better way to navigate our money through the economic system, through our communities to generate this wealth for us. Because like I said, without it, like I said, a 401k is not going to do it for you. Saving money in a savings account, not doing it for you. It may get you an investment fund and like i said it's nothing wrong with an investment fund hey if you got a bank account and you sitting up there put, stacking five g's to go ahead and invest it in something to start a business yo i'm totally for that but don't sit up there and try to stack your money up in a 401k because like i said at that rate it's going to take you a lifetime to really get you the money that you're going to need to retire last time i really did a study someone my age by the time I would retire, I would probably need about 1.3 million to live comfortably. And that's to live comfortably, comfortably. And that's not even considering if my mortgage not paid off, if I go buy a new car. So just really think about that. Hell, but then 1.3, maybe that'll last me a lifetime if I'm just working these jobs. And I, really, after I retire, I only got like 10 good years left of life. I mean, maybe that will work. Maybe it won't. But I really don't want to stick around to uh, see it like that. And that's why, you know, I'm not a millionaire or anything, but that's why I always teach or teach my guys that I work with, yo, invest your money, you know, try to flip your money, hold on to it, spend it wisely, just do the right thing by yourself. Because one day you're going to look back and you're going to be like, yo, I should have did this 30 years ago. So what I'm saying now, people don't put off for tomorrow what you can do today. Let's just just buckle down and and get to it. I really feel like, you know, I really feel like every black, all, all, all black should really come together to start building black wealth in our communities. And, you know, realize the under realize the power of the black dollar. And, 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 and like I said, I'm not sitting up here trying to preach this saying that Caucasian people or any other people are wrong. But these are the things that our children are not teached in school. But if you go elsewhere, little Johnny Sue and Jack may be learning this stuff from Grandpa Joe and Grandma Sue at an early age. But us, as our kids, will grow up, we get credit, we go into debt, we mess up our credit. And it, 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 it just doesn't really have, it's, it's almost like we don't have any value on what we do. 
and 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 and, and I know we started off a, with with hip hop, and like I said, it, it's no shots towards hip hop, but if you really think about it, on a global scale, hip hop is really used for the voice of the people of color. And starting the day, it won't be my voice. It won't be my narrative. I'm not a dope boy. I'm not a womanizer. I'm not a serial killer or a shooter. I'm not a gangbanger. I don't glorify any of that. I'm a black man that's trying to make something positive of his life. And honestly, I hope y'all got something from this because, you know, Nipsey was on to something. Martin was on to something. Marcus Garvey was on to something a little bit, but Nipsey was a little bit better. Just, just really think about that, man. Man, get your checks and balances in order, man, because uh, it's going to come a time in the day that you'll wish that you did. Man, that's all I got for you, man. It's your boy, Mars. Man, I really thank y'all for sticking around with your boy today. Um, be on the lookout for some more episodes. Yo, just tell me how y'all feeling. If y'all got any questions, hit me up on my email or something, man. But uh, other than that, man, I got to go. I'm going to let you go because I've been talking for a little minute. And I got to go, got to go, got to go, got to go. Y'all people have a great day, man. Y'all stay blessed until the next time we meet in the yard, man. I really appreciate y'all, man. With much love. Thank you, people. And I'll talk to you later. Your boy out of here. Peace.